gonna go ahead. Last podcast I did a. Where is it? There we go. I kind of did like a uh, critique and, and rewrite of a friend of mine's uh, story that he's been working on that kind of went off the rails on him, so he wanted me to take a look and edit it. And I figured it'd be a really cool, you know, way to, again, like I did with my own uh, shot in the park that I hadn't touched in years. Uh, cool way for you guys to see, like, what I do when I edit. Um, one of the things I apparently do when I edit and when I'm reading it out loud is say very snarky things. But I want you to know I do that with my own writing, as I said last podcast, and I only do that when I'm reading it for the first time. Uh, when I actually give someone a critique, I do add that snark in. Luckily, Baker, uh, he's cool with that. He's a buddy of mine, and he, he, he knows I'm a snarky bud, so... So he was like, oh yeah, it was fine, dude. I thought it was hilarious. So he's, he's good. <laughs> thought I'd go ahead and throw that out there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I've talked about before how uh, when I've had stories critiqued and that, that or done, um, uh, you got in whatever, uh, writing groups where we critique each other's stuff. I did a creative writing class like a decade ago where we critique each other's stuff and uh, those are usually and then recently in my own I haven't been having my stuff critiqued by uh, the Writers Guild that I'm part of but just watching uh, a New York Times bestselling author critique people's things it's it's really been eye-opening and so learning editing on, on my own and how to edit things, critique things, cut, you know, cut things down um, has helped me I think as a writer it's always been a big jump uh, in my writing. There's been times where I've gotten really good, honest critiques. So I figured it's something I, I could do for you know myself, some of my friends. Um, I might have uh, another author that Baker knows that will be willing to let me tear apart their story and make snarky comments. So um, and hey, anyone listening to the podcast? You know, message me on TomHarwick.com or on my Facebook, Author Tom Harwick or something. I'd love to take, you know, keep it to two or three pages because that's why I ended up I ended up cutting this into two because it was a, it was a little much to talk through two or more than two or three pages. But sure, I'd love to do some some little edits in that. I think that'd be great. So if you got story you've been tooling around with that maybe it's gone off the rails like this one or or you just would like some feedback feel free hit me up uh so it's been like a week since or or more since i did my last podcast i feel kind of stupid i got a little mini retreat my sister and uh, uh my brother-in-law had to run out or he went on a road trip for just a week so i went and watched the dogs in the house and again and uh, I forgot to bring the microphone. <laughs> I didn't feel like driving all the way back to get it, so I was like, oh well. <laughs> so I was going to do some podcasts this last week, but I did not. So I figured I'd do one now, and then we'll see. I'd like to get on the daily track, but we'll see. Um, also, I'm recording this Monday, Labor Day, but uh, I'm not sure if I'll put it out today or tomorrow. We'll see. 
Anywho, let's go ahead and get into this. Um, so this is, of course, the second part. Last we left off, there was a lot of weirdness, cool weirdness. In fact, I've been actually really anxious to get back into this, so that right there is a plus to the story because I want to know what the heck is going on. Uh, so we have the scientist guy who found some sort of ship. It appears to be a relic of sorts, but traveled to somewhere. Don't know if it's in time or just transporting to a different area of space or, or what. Went from what sounded like apocalyptic just wasteland, you know, garbage dump area to rolling green hills. So that's interesting. And then the whole thing shrunk down into a remote control with one button. And that's where we're going to pick up. Uh, he opens his jacket and nestles the remote into a side pocket and starts heading for what looks like a cave in the side of a hill. The grass was so soft and healthy he couldn't hear his footsteps. A dragonfly buzzed by his head sounding like an airplane in contrast to the quiet of this magnificent world. That's not bad. That's pretty good. We can probably cut that a little bit to get to the... I like that comparison. You take out the in contrast and all that and just... We'll see. As he nears the cave, he pats the front right pocket of his well-broken-in blue jeans, making sure something is in there. A small silver pocket watch that is very ornate and silver. <laughs> okay. Not being snarky. This actually, I do this. Sure. Uh, a small silver part pocket watch that is very ornate and silver. Just in case you're wondering, it's silver. No, that's probably just forgot he put silver. If I, I do that, I repeat things of the same sentence, and I catch it. I'm like, what are you doing? It's funny though when you read it out loud, and that is that's another reason. If you're if you're writing stuff, it's weird. I hate speaking out loud. It's weird for someone who has a podcast, but um, it's good to read your stuff out loud because then you hear what it sounds like. And you'll notice things like that. You might just, when you're just reading over it, your your mind might just eliminate one of those and make that sentence work in your head without you really realizing you're doing it subconsciously. But when you're reading it out loud, it becomes painfully apparent that you just said silver twice. As he approaches the cave, he realizes it isn't a cave at all, but seemingly a portal to space. Okay, this is cool. He stands at the mouth of the cave portal peering into the abyss that could only be compared to staring into the sky on a clear night. Glenn, being experienced with strange phenomena, knows better that, oh, then, to cross this plane between the world and the unknown. Have we said his name's Glenn? I don't know if we have. Oh, you know what? I think we did. I think we did. And that's the problem right there, was splitting something in 2-2 and then editing it a couple weeks apart or a week apart is I forgot if we ever said that guy's name <laughs> I think we did uh, wandering around the mouth of the cave he spots a small seedling tree rubbing his and again you can see we've done the you know what's funny is I didn't even realize it to now but yeah, see, now here we're in present tense. 
he does this, he is doing this, as opposed to he did this, past tense. Um, again, doesn't matter. In fact, that might be a, you know, you read it out loud, you see how you like it, past tense, present tense, but you gotta pick one. Being experienced with strange phenomenon knows knows better than oh yeah I already read that. Uh, rubbing his hands together like a gymnast getting ready, he bends down and uproots the tiny tree. That's actually a pretty good picture. I might word it a little different, but I like that doing the little rub together of the hands. Uh, the virgin bark of the tree is soft and bumpy, giving him a true sense of how healthy the small plant is. Knocking the dirt off the roots, he walks back over to the cave and proceeds to push the tree halfway through the plane between the two worlds. Well, I think I know what's going to happen. Pulling it out, the fledgling leaves are obviously frozen. He drops the tree in shock, shattering it on the ground on impact. Okay, I did not know what was going to happen. I thought he was going to pull it back and it was, like, aged. That would have been neat. But... That's also cool. <laughs> Is this space? He thought. The final frontier? No, I'm just kidding. That's not in there. Is this space? He thought. He turns around and sits on a nearby boulder to contemplate what he should do with this new discovery. Okay. You see, there's there's nothing wrong with this. He's contemplating what he should do with his with this new discovery. That is what he's doing. I think this might fall under uh, show don't tell. So, again, and, and this goes back to kind of giving credit to the reader that they're going to figure out what he's doing. So sometimes it's better just to show him sitting down on the the boulder and like staring at the thing in the tree, or or just sitting down and maybe putting his you know hand to his chin, like, doing the thinker kind of thing, or, you know, something that shows that he's kind of playing, but maybe not saying that he's contemplating. Uh, again, there's nothing wrong with having that in there, but, um, it kind of goes, like, if you ever read so-and-so was, uh, you know, very angry and yelled, da-da-da, has less impact to, like, they slammed their coffee mug on the, you know, counter and a bit of coffee spilled out. Now you know they're angry without saying the word angry you know you're not telling the reader that they are contemplating or angry or sad you're showing um, something that's happening because they are that way anytime you can do that show don't tell it adds a little power to this story it just but it puts a picture in your head is what it does um, which the pictures are just stronger than just being told he is feeling this way he decides to go look around to see if there's any more phenomena in the area phenomena doo, 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 doo. Uh, standing with his back to the to this portal he hears a very faint sound of water maybe waves coming from his left he decides to investigate as he begins oh no why did my computer just go crazy Jump like the whole page down. Sorry about this. This is not good uh, podcasting. Walking toward the sound of water, he discovers a cliffside with an ocean at the bottom of its sheer face. 
This is a strange place, he said aloud. Yes, a digital sounding voice said from behind him. That's cool. I <laughs> like the like out of nowhere voice. It's just like, you are right. It is, Glenn. I'm sorry, Glenn. I can't let you do uh, Glenn turns around quickly to look at what or who is talking to him. And again, you could just have him turn around quickly and or look frantically or instead we have uh, turns around quickly, see who is talking to him, looking around frantically, he sees nothing. I think that could all be condensed into him just flipping around and, and looking about seeing nothing. Um, we know that probably freaked him out. Down here. I'm sorry that I'm giving the Hell 3000, uh, or whatever it is, voice to this, but I can't help it. Down here, the voice said in a digital but playful tone. I'm not sure how that... digital but playful. Interesting. He looks down to see a small robot. Oh, sweet, a robot. I'm right here, the robot exclaimed. But now I'm imagining... Eh, never mind, I'll get it. About knee-high, the robot is a flat black color with a face resembling the screen from the vessel that brought Glenn to this strange place. Oh, so they're probably really... That's cool. Scuff marks on the corners of its rounded square body. Rounded square... Oh, so the corner's rounded. Though it's square. That's kind of old school. It's like a 60s, uh, like a Doctor Who robot. I like it. Uh... Well, not a Cyberman or anything, but... Or maybe a Lost as well. I don't know. But like the old school, when they get like the little... And like, the little accordion-looking arms and maybe some claws. I don't know. I'm imagining very old-school sci-fi-looking robot. It's very cool. Alright. Sorry. Uh, this was no new shiny robot. Hello, Glenn said in a questioning tone. Hello, I am Draft, the robot said with a strip lighting up just beneath its screen with his words. Oh, so it's got the little light mouth. Awesome. Where did you come from? Glenn asked. The robot pauses and has a puzzled look on its digital ren digitally rendered face. The pause is so long, Glenn begins to think he may have broken the robot with his question. Username, please, the robot said, obviously lagging from processing the question. Pete lag. A small keyboard pops out from the light strip under the robot's screen face. Typing with one hand, Glenn inputs his username. <laughs> Glenn, with a three. He strokes the inner button. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I just, for some reason, in my head, have him, like, petting it like it's a cat. Like he's stroking it. Hey, enter button. On the keyboard, and instantly the robot exclaims, Hey, that's more like it. What now, boss? The robot asks, Tell me what you're doing here. Oh, tell me what you're doing. Okay, so, one thing. Uh, you can't see it because this is podcast, and I'm not showing this story. But, um, when you're doing quotes, when you're having dialogue uh, every time the other speaker talks new paragraph so uh, what? how he's got it it's all in the same paragraph so I'm having trouble realizing when it switches speakers because of course the uh, dialogue tag is at the, the end so 
I read it in the robot voice, then I see Glenn said it, so, which, that's fine. A lot of people don't realize that, but one kind of basic writing thing you learn early on is whenever the speaker changes, new paragraph. So you can keep track. And the way that, why that comes in handy, uh, one thing I like, occasionally, because, you know, he said, he said, she said, he said, uh, then you'll add in, you know, people add in things to break up the monotony. He said, well, taking a sip of coffee. He said, while doing this, you know, that kind of thing. But one thing you can do when, when you have that, when you, every new paragraph, if you only have, it's easier if you only have two people talking, and I like to do this occasionally, is just, uh, no dialogue tag. And you bounce it back and forth without he said, he said. So you can kind of get, what are you talking about? I don't know. What are you talking about? what the heck dude all right you know you just bounce back forth back and forth and because it's a new paragraph each time the reader knows that the dialogue is going quick back and forth and it, it kind of gives you like a quick pace to the talking so if it's just a uh you know a nice back and forth uh banter that's a good way to kind of have that in there and then you can go back to either dialogue tag or having them do an action uh, to break up the monotony or, or make sure that the reader knows who's who still but you don't want to do it too long I have sometimes when I'm writing dialogue I don't like to I get in a rhythm I start hearing the voices in my head and they're t bantering back and forth and yes I know I know I just said that I hear voices in my head but when you're a writer that's okay anyway they start bantering back and forth and I don't want to lose it takes me so long to get the words down sometimes that I'll lose it or I'll get sick of hearing the same thing in my head several times or whatever so you like to get it down so I don't like to sometimes write either the dialogue tags or the action so oh he looked over there he fingered through a book da -da -da, while he said this you want to add little things in that kind of have them do actions, uh, break in some stuff of the surrounding scene. Yeah, it's nice. It, it um, and like I said before, you can even show motion through that. Like if he puts down the coffee cup too hard, or maybe he's fidgeting with something, the pages of the book, or you know, he's just kind of like popping his knuckles and fiddling with whatever. Um, that's good. But sometimes I won't put that in there right off the bat. I'll come back and do that because when I'm in a rhythm, I don't like to break it. So I'm just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I put one of my stories up on the still, you know, kind of undone, I think, on Wattpad. This was a few years ago, and I don't think I ever replied to the guy, so I feel kind of bad. But uh, put it up there, and I had done that, and I had never come back and put the actions in. And so he's like, you know, it's nice. But it's a little confusing. It would be nice to have them maybe do some action every now and then so we remember who's, you know. Uh, so if you do, like, a long block of that, people will can get lost. Uh, so, but but occasionally, that's that's why it's nice to have the, the, para the paragraph in there, like, change it every paragraph. That's one of the reasons you can do it is so you can go back and forth like that. And it just, it lets someone, it lets the reader know when the speaker is a new speaker so you're not reading it in the voice of the previous quote, which is what the original point was. Sorry, I rabbit trailed there. But, uh, but yeah, so right here where I keep reading the, the robot voice on Glenn and Glenn's voice on the robot, 
that's because these aren't properly formatted. They don't start a new paragraph with each quote, and that's that's all I was gonna say there. I went on a long rabbit trail for no apparent reason. All right. Uh, tell me what you're doing here, Glenn said in a stern voice. My old boss took me here from coordinates 5289001 on a mission to explore. He walked into a star wall and never came back. Okay. That is interesting. When I detected you near the star wall, oh, so that's the, what that portal was, I thought you were my old boss coming back to get me. But I quickly found that you were different, so I followed you. It's all, I was gonna say it's a little wordy there, but I almost like it coming from the robot. That kind of sounds like something. Funny little robot. Man. Like, just really explain all the steps of... First I saw you there. I thought that, that, that. So I came over and followed you. And then I did this. And like, I don't know. That actually kind of fits, so... And that just goes to... In the end, with all... Of course, so I, I do this. I, I edit. And I, I give back to the person. And then, like, when you receive a critique or you receive an edit, uh, you know, take it, thank them. There's no reason to, you know, defend it or anything. Or go, you, maybe you want to ask them questions, why this or why that, that's fine. But take it, say thank you. And then you have to decide, you know, if you think that's actually the right. So, uh, I'll give it back to him. He'll keep some of the changes, but he won't keep some of the others. And one of the things you have to decide sometimes is just because kind of the standard thought now is to condense and, and shorten and add power, uh, you still have to have unique voices for the characters, and this robot, maybe that's how he sounds. He gets a little wordy because he's a robot. He over-explains things. That actually makes sense. So you got to find the things in your stories that if they do kind of break or bend the rules, if it is in the best, uh, you know, if, if that's what's best for the story, keep it. And, you know, how do you know the difference? Well, experience, you know, and just kind of knowing your story. But also, that's where beta readers are good. And reading it out loud helps. And then, because uh, then you can kind of hear it. When you read it out loud and you hear it out loud, it's a little different. You, you hear it more like a reader will read it in their head. Uh, it's almost like hearing it for the first time, but or reading it for the first time and not quite. But then, get beta readers. You have to, you absolutely have to have people you trust that will tell you when it's bad, that won't just sugarcoat it, but, you know, won't be jerks about it, and will just kind of, okay, this is what I didn't like, but here's what I think you should do different, or, and you accept the thank you, and then you decide whether you agree with it or not. But anyway, that's, that's another rabbit trail. Uh... Anyway, that, that's a good way to kind of figure out if it's best for the story or not. So sometimes you will. Or a description. You know, there's a... Well, another thing is you, you always start in action. You always start in action. But I have a, a couple stories where it didn't quite... Didn't, like, there's action, but it's kind of internal. And it's not crazy. It's It needed some setup. And I believe that that was best for the story. And the tone. And there are times when... The, the current uh, thought is to only use description inside action, not to have description on its own. Don't just describe, you know, 
what the outside looks like, what the sky looks like, have that in kind of couched in action with a and I think he even does it here where your character is walking out and seeing how this guy, you know, and so there's some action there, it's working, it's more streamlined and that is honestly better but there are you know, especially different genres like fantasy for instance that, and there are times when maybe you just really need the description and if that works for your story, that works for your story and uh, you know only you and you know, it look at it yourself, have some other people look at it, if you know writers or editors or definitely if you've got some kind of hookup in the publishing game, have them look at it and uh, you know, kind of figure that out for yourself. Anyway. Uh, the robot said with more personality than Glenn anticipated. I know I kind of like this robot, I'm not gonna lie. Take me to the star wall, please, Glenn asked. No problem, Draft replied. Emitting a blue glow from his underside, Draft hovers very quietly off the ground and starts to move back toward the cave. Glenn's suspicion that the star wall is the cave he had encountered earlier. Suspicion. Oh, that reads weird. I think it should either be Glenn suspects or suspected, or Glenn's suspicion Star Wars the cave he encountered earlier is confirmed. Um, let's see. They travel together toward the cave, and after a few minutes, they reach the cave again. Now, and probably you read it, you don't even catch that. You say it out loud, and you're like, "Man, I just said cave twice." You know, I do that again. Do it all the time. They walk up to it, standing a few steps back, and Glenn asks, He walked into here? In a low som- He walked into here? In a low, somber voice. That's the only thing that kind of sucks about dialogue text being usually after the, the dialogue is uh, when you change when it's like in a different voice or something. You don't always read it like that in your head because you haven't read the tag yet. Yes, sir, and never came back, the robot says in a voice far too chipper for the current findings. That's actually funny. Wow, a stable portal to space here on Earth, Glenn thought to himself. So they are on Earth. Again, I don't know if he time traveled back there, or maybe they. Maybe we had expanded out and he found a way back to Earth? I don't know. That would be neat if they had done some kind of like. these type of. Uh, ships have been used to transport everyone to like maybe earth was running out of resources so we used these weird transporter things to go to a different planet and then we ended up screwing that planet up and all the technology was kind of lost and he like dug it up and figured out how to get back to earth and now that it's been left alone it's gone back to being cool I don't know <laughs> I'm a little lost hopefully this helps Baker with uh, figuring his story out without knowing what the rest of it is supposed to be I I'm not sure but uh, I'm enjoying it so far definitely uh, it's very very intriguing plus I, I have to say I like the little robot Baker very well done that robot is awesome 
Alright, so I'm going to go ahead and pause this and uh, edit his story a little bit, this last part. And then I'll read it again and we'll see how it sounds. This, I gotta say, not too bad. I think a little less I have to condense on this one. We'll see once I get into it. And you know what's funny too, I might point out, so I sent him, after I got done editing the, the first part last time, I sent it to him. And what I sent to him was actually different than what I read to you guys because I found stuff again as I was going through it and things I missed in the moments, speaking it out loud. Um, which just goes to show you will edit things several times. You go, you will re you will hate your story at a certain point because you will have read it a hundred times. And I'm not kidding. Um, I still see things in The Guardian that I'm like, <sighs> but it's a great book and you should buy it. It's on Amazon. It's The Guardian by Tom Harlow. But anyway, <laughs> let me go ahead and uh, edit this. Okay, editing done, and we went from. 812 words in that section to 670. So we'll see how it sounds now. A little shortened. By a ton, just by a little bit. Alright, and hopefully we can wrap this up not too far from the 30 minutes I want to keep most of these podcasts at. One day I'll succeed. I rabbit trailed a little earlier though, so it's my fault. Alright, so here we go. He nestled the remote in his side pocket, headed towards what looked like a cave in the side of a hill. His footsteps, his footsteps fell silently in the soft grass. A dragonfly buzzed by his head, sounding like an airplane in contrast to the quiet of this pristine world. As he neared the cave, he patted the pocket, patted the pocket of his worn jeans. Oh my goodness! Unconsciously checking that the ornate silver pocket watch was still there. Now this is another one, again, I don't know the rest of the story. So, if that's not important, do I just cut that part out? Sure was it. But I suspect it's very important. Uh, maybe that pocket watch was given to him by someone and that's going to come into play later. It seems like it's an important tidbit. So, I'm guessing it, it probably is. So I left it in there. Um, and not just, you know, something to add for... Whatever. Just to have him pat his jeans for some reason. <laughs> As he approached, he realized the cave was actually some sort of portal. He stood at the mouth of the cave portal and peered at what could only be compared to the sky on a clear night. Glenn's experience told him not to cross this plane. He wandered around the mouth of the cave and spotted a seedling tree. Rubbing his hands together like a gymnast preparing for the uneven bars, he bent down and uprooted the tiny tree. The virgin bark of the tree was soft, giving him a true sense of the small plant's health. Of the small plant's health. Knocking the dirt off the roots, he took the tree to the portal and pushed it halfway through. He pulled the sapling back and dropped it in shock. The frozen leaves shattered on impact. Now right there is, uh, it's funny... You can get a, a lot, a whole different effect by just swishing things around a little bit. So in the original, he pulls the saffron back and sees that the, the leaves are frozen and drops it in shock. But I liked having him drop it in shock before the reader knows why. And then saying, again, it's kind of show, don't tell, I guess. Then saying that the frozen leaves shattered on impact. So we're kind of holding that part back until 
and it makes a little more impact that way. And he pulled the sapling back, dropped it in shock. I'm like, what's going on? The frozen leaves shattered on impact, so now we have a picture of the thing just shattering on the ground. And I think that's a better way to show them that it's frozen. Space? He stumbled to a nearby boulder and sat down, still staring at this cave portal to space. Eventually, I don't know if I like that. I'm like, now see, there's one where I said space twice in very close proximity, so probably he should change that. Might even put the original back in. I thought that might be one where shortening it doesn't help. More like, I think it's, what was it before? Something like, is this space or something like that? Probably, probably put it back in. Uh, still staring at this, maybe just at this strange cave portal. Eventually, he decided to search the area for more phenomena. Phenomena. Uh, standing with his back to this portal, he heard the faint sound of water in the distance. As he left to investigate the sound, he scooped up several small, several smooth stones. Ooh, the alliteration is killing me. He scooped up several smooth stones to drop intermittently, creating a trail back to the cave portal. He followed the sound for some time, finally arriving at a cliffside. Oh, I forgot to change this. Later, when when we go back with the robot, he says it only takes a few minutes to get back to the cave, so instead of some time, he followed the sound for a few minutes, probably make it, you know, work right. Finally arriving at the cliffside, probably take out finally because of that too. In my mind, I had him having to walk a little further to see like a, but I guess that's why it's so weird, this place, that there's like a cliffside right there by the, anyway. Uh, an ocean crashing, uh, let's see, he arrived at a cliffside, an ocean crashing against the bottom of its sheer face. This is a strange place, he said aloud. Indeed it is, replied a di digital sounding voice behind him. Glenn spun, frantically looking for the source of the reply, but saw nothing. Down here, the digital voice almost sounded playful. Glenn looked down to see a small robot. I'm right here, the robot exclaimed. It was knee high and painted flat. By the way, <laughs> the baker hopefully will appreciate this. The the way the robot talks and everything, all of a sudden I I know I was thinking like old old school sci-fi. But now I, I'm just remembering the, the claptrap from Borderlands. If anyone has played that game. I have that guy's voice in my head right now and it's awesome. <laughs> Obviously this robot is described differently, but you know, sometimes you just get things stick stuck in your head, so he has that voice to me. Anyway, sorry. I'm right here, the robot exclaimed. It was knee-high and painted flat black with a face resembling the screen from the vessel that brought Glenn to the strange place. Scuff marks on the rounded-off corners of its square body showed it was no shiny new robot. He hello Glenn said. Hello, I am Draft, the robot said, a strip just beneath its screen lighting up with every word. Where did you come from? The robot, now that's place, like I was talking before, sometimes if there's only two characters and you're doing the paragraph properly, starting a new paragraph for the, the quotes, sometimes it pays to 
leave off the dialogue tag. And in this case, we, we just go right back. Hello, I'm Drab, the robot said, blah, blah, blah. Where did you come from? Is Glenn. Instead of saying Glenn said, we just have him say it. Where did you come from? The robot paused with a puzzled look on its digitally rendered face. For so long, Glenn thought his question had caused it to malfunction. Y y username, please, the robot said, obviously lagging. A small keyboard popped out from the light strip under the robot's screen face. Typing with one hand, Glenn input inputted his username. Glenn with a three. And when he does his username, it's got two ends, and when we just see his name, it's got one end, so I'm not sure what's up with that. If that's supposed to be like that, or anyway. As soon as he struck the inner button, the little robot exclaimed, Hey, that's more like it! What now, boss? By the way, I kind of take some liberties with him calling him boss. I really like that. I, I, I kind of adds a little even more personality to this little robot. So you see what I did in just a second. Tell me what you're tell me what you're doing here, Glenn said in a stern voice. The robot seemed unfazed by his tone. My old boss took me here from coordinates 5289001 on a mission to explore, but he walked into a star wall and never came back. When I detected you near the star wall, I thought you were my old boss coming back to get me. But I quickly discovered that you were different, and so I followed you. You are my new boss. I added the you are my new boss at the end. I just like that he calls him boss, so you can change that if you want to. But I thought that was a funny little thing. Also, you see, not only did I leave in the, the kind of wordy reply from the robot, I think I added a couple words. I really like that he talks like that. The robot had more personality than Glenn anticipated. Can you take me to this star wall? No problem, boss. Drav emitted a blue glow from his underside and hovered quietly, moving back toward the cave. Glenn's suspicion that the star wall was the cave he had encountered earlier was confirmed after a few minutes of travel. Standing a few steps from the star wall, Glenn asked somberly, He walked in there? Yes, boss, and never came back, Drav said in a far too chipper voice. In far too chipper voice, that is. I can't believe it, a stable portal to space right here on Earth, Glenn thought. And that's where we end. Uh, still a couple places where, honestly, my correcting actually made it a little clunkier. So, there you go, sometimes don't listen to the editor. But, uh, yeah, I think trimmed down a little bit. I honestly thought it read pretty good before, but trimmed down a little bit. I reads just a little, little quicker, a little better. And honestly, that's, that's a lot. Uh, you know, 200, was it? We took not even 200 words off that one, I think. Uh, sometimes you take a ton, sometimes you just take a hundred or so. And... But it's just cleaning it up, cleaning it up. And even from here, he'll want to keep reading this out loud, editing it, making it feel natural. Uh, you know, there are some parts where, for instance, it sounded good when I, to me in my head. I didn't read it out loud until I did this part. Um, but when I was editing it, it sounded good in my head. Then I realized there's some, there were some parts with uh, rapid alliteration that were a little hard to say. <laughs> kind of tongue-tied me slightly. Not necessarily a bad thing, but... Just a thing. Um, also, it's like almost 11 o'clock, so I'm in tired Thomas mode. But anyway, so that is 
his story, or at least what he sent me. I really, I actually really, really dig this. Baker, I'm not sure. We'll have to talk and see where exactly you've gone off the rails, but so far I really dig this whole uh, weird, like, Stargate thing shoved in a, under a hill on Earth, and I still don't know where he came from. And I, I really love that robot. I don't know why, but it cracks me up. I dig it. I dig that bot. Um, yeah, cool. Alright, so like I said, if, uh, you know, if, if anyone out there has a couple pages they want me to do this to, feel free to uh, message me on Facebook or comment on Facebook or go to the website, Tom Harwick, TomHarwick.com. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to check it out. And if you have any ideas for any questions like about writing or just stories in general or, you know, directions you'd like to see me take this podcast, uh, let me know. I, you know, right now there's not, I haven't really advertised this a whole lot, so I just have a select few that listen to this. But as it opens up and you're listening to this, feel free to drop me a line and let me know what you'd like to hear. I'll probably, uh, so I'm gonna, of course, go back to the original format of this of, uh, right before my writing session, just talking a little bit about writing in general or different things. Um, and hopefully, I mean, that encapsulates a lot of stuff, so hopefully I won't run out of things to talk about when it comes to writing, but just kind of, you know, whatever. Stuff I'm learning, experiences that I've had, that kind of thing. I'd like to also start, uh, bringing some people on occasionally. Probably. I will have, I've talked about my friend Adam, who is writing a crazy epic fantasy thing right now. Um, I'll probably have him on at some point uh, my nephew Kai is awesome with voices and so I will probably have him read sections of some of my stories and then uh, other people I, I work with uh, the my brother-in-law Ryan uh, he came up with the the game where he's like the leader of our head of our game uh making group that uh, we're working on uh, the Reaper race, a fun little little board game thing. Anyway, uh, it, the, that world is where I base the, the Guardian in and, and the Watcher, which should be coming out soon. And I've, uh, you know, we, we've all kind of helped him build that world out into a ridiculously large world for a board game. And he's also making an RPG off of it and stuff. So, uh, anyway, Ryan's not a, uh, he's not an author, he's, oh, I could never write, but he's a storyteller, is what I told him, I'm like, yeah, but you still tell stories, dude, because he, he's been DMing for, like, over 30 years, I think, uh, doing, like, and just running games and that kind of thing, he's a game guy, so I might have him on, I think that'd be fun, some of my other writer friends, um, so, anyway, that's all in the future, and of course we'll get back to the actual me just gabbing as I try to come up with 
work on my story. Uh, I actually have gotten some more done on Cemetery Spade, but funny enough, it's still, oh gosh, almost 45 minutes. It's still working towards that action scene that I was meaning to get to like weeks ago because the dialogue just keeps getting longer. They won't stop talking. Anyway, that's how it happens sometimes. And then I'll have to go back and I'll just cut tons from it. But, you know, it's better to have too much than to have too little. So, anyway, hopefully soon I'll have, uh, I'll read you some more of that or, or have some more of that to show. Anyway, uh, like or subscribe. Subscribe on the, uh, the podcast if you would. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. All kinds of different things, thanks to uh, Anchor. Um, check out the website. Hopefully I'll have new new stuff on there soon. Uh, hopefully kind of give it a facelift, uh, working with Baker on that. Anyway, uh, yeah, check out the website. Check out I post stuff on my Facebook all the time. Uh, author Tom Harwick, I believe, at Facebook. Something like that. I'm on Twitter, too. Author Tom Harwick, but I almost never post on Twitter. I, I gotta start doing that. All kinds of stuff. Anyway. Talk to you guys later. I really gotta come up with a cool sign off because it's always so awkward. Okay. Until we meet again.